Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 255 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, joined by, as always, my co-host, Adnan Ikechat. Say which way, Adnan. How are you doing on this fine evening? Oh, I'm doing spectacular right now. You know, the Atlanta Falcons are 1-0 for the first time in my entire history at the Falcoholics. So, you know, it's been it's been a very long journey. And also the Braves are about to clinch their sixth consecutive division title tonight. Unless well, they don't, go. in which case we'll Unless probably do it in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, it, it's happening. It, it's a mere formality, but it's a it's a good time in Atlanta right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right about that. Definitely happy to have that and finally have the odd non curse broken. Uh, so you know, g- good on you. Are we calling it that? <laughs> I don't think I proved that. I, no, we haven't actually. We, we'll workshop that more. We can come up with something more creative. But, but maybe, maybe to help us out with that, we've got with us for the first time Bryce Lewis. He is at Brycey two underscore two K on Twitter. He is a producer over at Fox fifty six. That's in Kentucky, I believe, and he's also yeah. the host of the Atlanta Hawks show over on Believe. So he's a fellow. I don't know. Are we called believers? I, I'm not sure. Are we. I don't. I didn't get uh, the, the memo on that one, but yeah, me either. <laughs> How are you doing? Glad to, <laughs> glad to be here. Glad to be on. I'm doing well, Kevin. Doing, you know, what I can, and I'll trying to cover both Falcons, Hawks, whatever, whatever. Uh, but just glad to talk some Falcons with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, as you guys uh, can tell, we we have officially become YouTube partners uh, now. As Mad Tom K, I believe, already engaged the super chat for the first time. So thank you, Mad, for that. Um, it's uh, just basically giving you guys another uh, option for how to contribute to the show. I know some people have their stuff set up through YouTube because YouTube is starting to be more more and more like Twitch every day, which I appreciate. Um, if you uh, want to continue using the Streamlabs tipping, that's totally cool. We appreciate everyone doing everything. At this time, we're going to stick with Patreon instead of like the YouTube memberships just because I don't feel like it makes sense to charge people twice for the same thing. I think we're getting a better deal from Patreon also, but we'll we'll keep you guys updated on that. But uh, again, uh, moving on up in this whole YouTube uh, universe, I guess, uh, over time, they, they finally said, oh, yeah, you know, actually, we don't need you to have 30,000 subscribers to qualify for us to make money off of you. So thank you, YouTube, for, for, com- for, for your generous uh, contribution there. But guys, we got lots to get to. As Adnan said, Falcons broke their season opening loss streak. They broke their never having a winning record in years streak and 2097 uh, days. Yes. So we can, we can stop the clock (laughs) finally on that. Um, But yeah, guys, before we dive in, do want to bring you a word from today's sponsor. It is bet online and football is back. Betonline.ag 
is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. BetOnline, <clears throat> excuse me, gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today, which is betonline.ag, or you can use your mobile device to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you're if you're looking for my opinion, you know, on betting, I I would probably avoid this Falcons game, if I'm being completely honest with you. I, I don't feel great one way or the other, and that's just a recipe for betting disasters. So that, that would be my personal opinion. But guys, no matter what you want to do, you can do it at Bet Online. So check them out. Use our promo code Believe, and Bet Online is where the game starts. All right. Well, Bryce, welcome to the show again. Uh, we appreciate you making the time, and we haven't heard your takes on uh, on the game yet. So definitely want to open the floor for you if you had uh, something you wanted to open with. I know there's all kinds of stuff from that game we can get to. Obviously, we just heard that Jesse Bates won NFC defensive player of the week which is well deserved but yeah i'll sort of let you you op- do the opening salvo here you can sort of hit on anything you want uh yeah appreciate having the floor um i mean for me for the most part i came out of the game kind of it was, it was one of those things where it's like there's things that are very encouraging and there's things obviously that need to be worked on um i mean it's week one every team pretty much is in the same spot some teams look better than others uh same thing for us. I mean, running game looks like it should be top five rushing attack again. Uh, secondary looks like could be one of the best in the league if this keeps up. Bates continues to play the way he plays. AJ continues to play the way he plays. And then Jeff comes back and plays well. Um, and then, you know, D-line had some moments. Uh, pass rush could have been a little better, but uh, there was some moments there. So I, I think it's one of those things that's a mixed bag for me. I feel like we came out of that Panther game. The fact we were able to beat them by two touchdowns with – not really having too much of a passing game and, you know, other things that may have hindered us also first half, you know, struggling to block Brian Burns and all of that kind of shows us, all right, you know, sometimes when you're a really good team or a good team, you don't play your best and you still beat other teams. It's like, all right, you feel like you're pretty decent. Cause I don't feel like the Hawks, I mean, the Falcons could play like this this year. I mean, last year and then win a game like that. So um, overall, I mean, I just think, you know, there's some things that come out of it. I feel, but I do feel different about this team. I do feel like there's a different energy and vibe on this team. And I think that's something that, that counts for something. I think that's something that, um, I feel like going into this week after the last week, we'll kind of really, we'll have a much better idea after this week. I feel like, of okay, what is this team? What can we really expect? And obviously if they can clean up the issues they had last week as well. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely spot on there. It, it week one is always funky, so you, it's you know you try to tell people not to like overreact to it. I mean, you know, like I, I tweeted out, it's like, oh, we already got fantasy people saying that you know Drake London and Kyle Pitts should be demanding trades away from Atlanta because you know <laughs> they were they were not targeted a lot in week one. You know, well, T Higgins was targeted eight times and he didn't have a catch, so should he be demanding a trade? I mean, like, like come on, guys. Uh, but <laughs> it's 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 silly. I mean, week one's always crazy, and and it is what it is, but. You know, the, the Falcons do end up it, – it's meaningful, I think, that they were able to finally get over that hump that they haven't been able to do in the Arthur Smith era, which is to get to a winning record. I mean, they were close so many times. They always botched it, 
Um, sometimes they should have, they really should have won. Like last, last year's week one, that game was absolutely there for the taking and, and they blew it. Um, and we could see them getting better and, and I think getting further and further away from the sort of Dan Quinn era Falcons. But there was always that, that air of like, oh, is it going to creep back in? And I think this year getting past that week one, getting the win in a game that was sloppy, it was not perfect. Uh, lots of things to, to improve on. But you look around the NFL, you see tons of teams having sloppy, bad week one performances. The Chiefs didn't have a great week one. The Bengals, like I mentioned, they had maybe the worst week one of anybody. The Giants will probably had the worst week one of anybody, if we're being honest, in terms of on field. Uh, and, you know, th- so many teams that were expected to be contenders just really, really struggled out of the gates. And um, the Falcons also struggled out of the gates, but they managed to, to put it put together some winning football and pull away late. Um, and I mean, I think the most meaningful thing was this is a team that frequently was bad in the fourth quarter. And so to finally see them have a dominant fourth quarter where, where, you know, by the time the final drive was happening, we were like, oh, this game is over. Like, that was a nice feeling to have. We don't get that very often here. So definitely appreciating that. Uh, Adnan, want to check in with you as well. What's uh, your, you know, we talked about a lot on the post game, obviously, but sort of what's your, uh, your big takeaways from this one? I mean, the most important thing is coming away with that win. And I do think that if you were to ask the players, if you were to ask the coaching staff, they would probably downplay the importance and say, of course, you know, it's just week one. It's just another week. But I think they would be lying if they did so, because I do think that they knew that they have never been above 500 in in the Arthur Smith regime. Like the, the players... Uh, who have been here, the vast majority of them who are Falcons today have never experienced a winning record as Atlanta Falcons. There's a couple of holdovers from the last time the Falcons were, you know, did have a winning record in 2017, namely Jake Matthews and Grady Jarrett. Um, And I mean, they they know, they know just as, as well as anyone, how good this team was previously versus how it how it was the past few years. So I do think that that's that's a massive sort of albatross just being taken off off of the neck of this franchise in general to get over that hump and it's it's a massive mental hurdle for this fan base as well because you saw the way that the dome was rocking uh in week 1 last year like you know the fans really showed out and they really showed out on Sunday which was really good to see like that place was absolutely packed it looked so loud on TV I had a friend who went to the game. He said that it was just a different kind of vibe in person. And, you know, I'm expecting it to to show out again this week, even though they are playing that legacy team in the Green Bay Packers, who will probably have a few fans down there as well, as they have fans everywhere. So the most important thing is, is the victory. Um, other than that, like... You know, what we, you know, we did hit on a lot of the positives. We hit on a lot of the negatives, maybe even a little bit too much. Maybe we even took it a bit overboard for a 14 point. We, we, (laughs) maybe I took it a little bit overboard for a 14 point win, but you know, the team got the job done. Jesse Bates is him like a, a very, very deserved defensive player of the week. Um, the the run game is absolutely lethal, both Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, and they're going to probably get an, another boost with Cordero Patterson. The only thing is Arthur Smith is probably going to drive fantasy people nuts because he's probably going to give Patterson some of those goal line carries. 
I can't wait to see the reaction when that happens. Um, yes, London had zero catches. Yes, Kyle Pitts only had two catches. I think that that's more of an anomaly. I don't think that it's sustainable for the Falcons to continue, you know, winning games like that. I think part of the reason why, uh, why that happened is because, you know, Ritter only had to throw the ball 18 times. Most of those were checkdowns. They didn't have to do anything more than that because the Carolina Panthers only scored 10 points anytime they got anything going other than that one scoring drive uh, on their first touchdown drive was Jesse Bates pretty much ending it almost single-handedly with those two picks and forced fumble. Um, but, you know, don't worry if you own own Drake London in fantasy. He's not going to come out and have <laughs> one target every single week. Uh, if anything, I think I think this week he, he may have, you know, this could be one of those squeaky wheel type games. Like Drake London obviously hasn't said anything in the media, but Arthur Smith, despite what he said about, oh, it doesn't matter. It's only a fantasy football thing. He knows that Drake London only had one target. I'm sure he'll dial Drake London up uh, a little bit more this Sunday. I'm not saying it's going to be the Kyle Shanahan or Roddy White, you know, forcing it to him three times to start the game. But, you know, I, I definitely think there will be some, some design plays, you know, specifically meant to get the ball into Drake London's hands as well as Kyle Pitts. But, you know, it's, it's a good win. Uh, The pass rush, you know, like, like Bryce touched on could, you know, could stand to be a bit better. I don't think that's going to happen this week against the Packers because they're a hell of a pass blocking team. Like their offensive line is absolute hell when it comes to pass blocking. Um, but, you know, there are some good things. There are some bad things. The most important thing is this team is 1-0, and and this team has a chance to really build on it. And if this, if they start off 2-0, and like, it's going to be absolutely nuts in Atlanta. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. It was not... It was not probably what people were hoping to see from the passing game. And, I mean, obviously that's disappointing. But even if you go back to last year, with Ritter, they averaged, like, almost 29 pass attempts a game. This is not an intentional part like people i think that when you have one data point everything is always skewed because if the falcons had thrown the ball 40 times people would be like oh well why did they draft Bijan if they're just going to air it out you know so it's like no matter what like there's going to be overreactions to week one because one data point in a 17 game season is never really going to tell you much about the whole picture it's going to tell you about one game and the falcons the truth is for, for for the fantasy people that may be watching like if the falcons can win like this where they win by two scores and they just rely on the run game to get it done, then they probably will do that. Like, and, and maybe you, you say like, well, why did they draft Pitts in London? And the answer is because they, they know they can't just do that against everybody. Like there's going to be teams that have bad run defenses. The Falcons just b- might barely pass the ball. They might throw it less than 20 times because the run game is that dominant that they don't really need to, to take it to the air. They don't need to risk the turnovers. They don't need to, you know, get the sacks. They don't need to to risk it. Um, and I think that was sort of a conscious decision in this game where the Panthers pass rush was dominant, especially early. The Falcons run game was humming for the most part. It wasn't super consistent, but it was hitting those big plays. And they just sort of sat back and let the Panthers beat themselves. And it ended up working out great um, because the Panthers started to force it. They, they, they tried to go they sort of took the opposite approach, whereas the Falcons kept relying on their run game and were sort of completely comfortable playing this sort of close nail-biter, 
grinded out sort of game. You could tell the Panthers were sort of uncomfortable with that. Even when the game was sort of close, they were sort of they were trying to air it out with with Bryce Young, even though their their rushing attack was actually outperforming the Falcons in terms of overall yardage. Um, they just kept going to the air, and it it didn't work out for them. Bryce Young turned it over. They did have that fumble. Obviously, that wasn't Bryce Young's fault, but the Falcons just sort of sat back quietly, you know, calmly, uh, and played their game, which is gonna they're gonna be able to beat bad teams doing this. Um, what I think Pitts and London are here for is for the teams that aren't bad. And we might get to see some of that, you know, this weekend, obviously against the Packers, but you know, this is not a team that's going to force the passing game because it's not going to be their bread and butter. But I think they know deep down that like when they come up against teams that can score, they're going to have to go to the air and they want to make sure they have the firepower to do that. And they want to make sure they have the ability to, to test teams deep, Um, which is what Kyle Pitts did in this game. He only had the one deep catch, he had his other other 25-yard play nullified by a very stupid illegal shift penalty. But, you know, Pitts is going to be their primary deep threat, and he's going to get stuff otherwise. And, and Drake Lennon's probably going to be the guy that gets the most targets of all. You didn't really get to see much of that in week one for the reasons that you, you both mentioned. So, you know, I, I would say this is not really an example of what the typical Falcons game will look like, but this is an example of what a Falcons game could look like. Um especially against a team that is really struggling to, to stop the run game or is just struggling to score in general. The Falcons are going to be patient and they played so many close games. They were in 15 close games. Last, they were 51 one score games last year. Uh, they're very comfortable <laughs> playing those types of games. They're not phased by it. They're not nervous. Uh, and I, that's definitely going to pay off over time because they're, it's just what they, it's just what they do. So um, it's, it's a win. Uh, it's a 14-point win, of which they had exactly one double-digit win last season, and we've already got one this year. So ultimately, you know, you, you, you take the dub, especially in a week one where we saw tons of teams really struggle, uh, and you move on to the next week. But yeah, Bryce, anything else you wanted to touch on uh, for, from this game? Um, I am really curious to kind of just see. I mentioned this a little bit in my own review that I did earlier this week. I felt like we didn't see a lot of Arnold a lot. And then when I looked at the snap numbers, he didn't play a lot. It was a little surprising to me. Clayus Campbell, I think, played 51 snaps, which I don't think is the ideal number they want him playing out on a weekly basis. So I'm interested to see coming out of this game, how do those rotations on the defensive line change going into this week? Because you would think Arnold was drafted to be a primary pass rusher, when you're, if not your top pass rusher, and he barely played in week one. I didn't know maybe it's because of matchups. Maybe they felt like, Calais was in a better position to do that. Um, I mean, because they have a lot of good interior pressure, Grady and they were both able to get to the backfield on multiple occasions. So I'm really curious to see, and even D'Angelo Malone, maybe seeing if he can get some more snaps this weekend uh, as well coming out of that Panther game. So that that's really the only tidbit from the game that I thought was interesting, and I'm curious to know what the plan is. And that could also just be Ryan Nielsen, you know, being a first-time defensive coordinator, learning his guys, actually playing on the field for the first time and knowing, okay, this is what, what the rotations and snaps need to look like. I actually don't think that the coaching staff has big plans for Abikati. Like, uh, as, as frustrating as it would be uh, that because they did spend a very high second round they pick They traded up him. for him, yeah. They traded up for him. But that was a different coaching staff under Dean Pease. Well, different defensive coordinator. Some of the coaching staff is the same, but – Abikati, like we noticed it, he was in there in the third and fourth quarter of all of those preseason games, whereas you know a lot of the starters on defense 
a lot of the true starters on defense only got that one drive. And, you know, that's, so that's all I'm going to say about the preseason. I think I ranted enough about the preseason in, uh, in the post-game show. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence. Like, I think Katie w- was out there with the twos and threes, and I don't think I don't think he's really in favor with this coaching staff, and I don't think that they at the moment really have any real plans for him other than, you know, a few snaps here and there on the pass rush. Yeah, and it's... It's just unfortunate because I think the Falcons invested two day two picks into getting edge rushers for Dean P's defense and then Dean P's leaves. And now that we have a new scheme that's not going to emphasize those guys as pass rushers. I think they're they're still good to have, but they're definitely, I mean, Ebikady's not returning second round value at this point in this scheme. You could tell that he's just, now I, I think D'Angelo Malone, there's a chance that they convert him to off-ball linebacker. I think they're already in pro- in the process of doing that. I I think Malone could actually be a good Sam type off ball linebacker because he does have that pass rush juice. He's got that athleticism. I think there's more of a future and and Ebikady too. But I think Ebikady probably deserves to go be a three four outside linebacker somewhere. So I, I do wonder if Ebikady is someone that they will trade away at some point, perhaps for another player that more closely fits the scheme or for to recoup perhaps like a day like an early day three pick or something like that. Um, which would not Man, be great would be, return on investment, but if yeah. right, but if they're if they're mm-hmm. not going to use him, they might as well get something for him. So uh, because he's he's a second round pick, and you know, I, well, now I don't you sound like the fantasy guys talking yeah. about Drake London. Return no, on investment ROI. You know how many how many snaps is Evacati getting? He has a. I didn't see Evacati get targeted. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, he he had one fewer target than Drake London in that game. That's true. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I I hope they do find a role for him. Maybe it's just as a designated pass rusher or whatever. But you need guys like that because eventually you will need people to come off your bench and play. And I still think he's a good player. But uh, I hope they find some kind of use for him because it would be disappointing if he's. Yeah, not I would. I would. I would assume if you're going to potentially reduce, even Calais even mentioned it today that he may have played too many snaps. I would think that would, those snaps would go to them maybe because mm. I don't know who else those snaps would really go to. Yeah. So they, they play more just because of that. But they may not be like top snap count guys on the defensive line. You know, they may just be, you know, like I said, situational. I wouldn't mind even on third downs. You know, every team has a pass rush package, mm. you know, maybe including him in there. You have – I know sometimes on third they use Caden as a pass rusher. I, Notice, and then you got Bud, you got Grady, David, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you throw him in there if you want to do a five-man line, maybe there. So, like I said, it'll just be interesting, like I said, to see if anything changes and what all is, is affected, I guess, by it. Yeah, yeah. They, they need to find some way to utilize it because you can't just punt on your second-round pick. So either flip him for a player that you do want to use or figure out some kind of package for him or, or some way to utilize him. I think, like you said, third downs, um, designated pass rusher, kick Calais inside um, where he's probably a better pass rusher and, you know, it, go from there. I, I think you can find a way to utilize him. But uh, right now he definitely seems to be behind the three veterans and, you know, Campbell and uh, Bud Dupree and uh, Lorenzo Carter all seem to be ahead of him on the depth chart. And um, hopefully he, you know, he, maybe he could eventually get to like a Lorenzo Carter type place where he's just versatile. He could play three, four stuff. He could play four, three stuff, whatever. Uh, but at this stage, you know, it's disappointing to not see him out there more. So I definitely sympathize with, with folks that are hoping for more from last year's second round pick that you traded up for. Uh, so, you know, we, we should expect more obviously. Um, 
Yeah, well, let's... I do know that Mad Tom K gave us a super chat. It's a question about the Green Bay game. So, Mad, we will absolutely get to that as soon as we start talking about Green Bay. I was just going to save that for that particular segment. Um, but, yeah, let's let's touch on the injury report real quick because we did get our first look at that uh, today. And I'll break down the Falcons guys and the Packers guys. The Falcons, mercifully, the injury report is short. We did have a new injury this week that we'll talk about. Um so for Wednesday, the first day, there's still two more days, guys. Uh, linebacker Troy Anderson did not participate. He entered the concussion protocol on Tuesday, so he just wasn't feeling right. Um, so hopefully that's minor and precautionary. We'll see how quickly he's able to get through that. But these days, it's not impossible to go through the, the protocol and, and play that week. Like it, it does happen more frequently than it used to, um, but it's definitely something to monitor. And then we had two rest days, one for Jonu Smith and one for Clayus Campbell, but those were not injury-related. Uh, quarterback Jeff Okuda returned to a limited practice today for the first time this season. Uh, and then Cordell Patterson was upgraded to full with his thigh injury. So obviously Okuda is the big name here. Um, Adnan, I'll, I'll get your thoughts first. Do you, I mean, what, what do you think about this injury report? Uh, let's start with Okuda. I mean, got to be good news there, right? Uh, Okuda's great news, especially given what we were thinking when Okuda first went down. Uh, you know, it was a lot of fear about is his season over. There was, uh, there wasn't any video, but there were a lot of you know descriptions that uh, seemed to be slightly graphic about you know the way that his you know the way that his foot turned and whatnot. But you know, we found out fortunately after the MRI a few days later during camp that. Arthur Smith came out, said he'll be back early in the season. Didn't rule out week one at that time, but said, you know, probably wouldn't be week one. So this sounds like it's it's right on line with, uh, with when he's supposed to be coming back, which is, you know, absolutely fantastic news. Now, he has missed almost, you know, the majority of camp, uh, all of preseason. So... I wouldn't expect Okuda to just be plugged in uh, as and to become an immediate difference maker. He does have to, you know, get his legs back under him a little bit. This is his first practice in a very long time, so you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect the world uh, out of Jeff Okuda right away. But it is really good that he's practicing, especially since it's a Wednesday, and he's practicing today. That tells me that even if he doesn't suit up this Sunday, he's probably going to be on. Uh, uh, on the better half of suiting up next Sunday, but you know it's it's great news. Um, the Troy Anderson injury is a little bit concerning. Uh, came in, I think Arthur Smith he said he came in yesterday not feeling well, so they uh, put him through a concussion protocol. He's now in the protocol, and we know with concussions, uh, sometimes uh, the effects can uh, can pop up the next day or. Uh, the next day or two, it doesn't always have to happen right away. Uh, so, you know, that's definitely, it's definitely a big concern for the Falcons. I think that the linebacker depth is one of the weaker points on this defense. So, you know, that will be getting tested right away. And if they do have to meet against Aaron Jones, if Aaron Jones does play uh, on the Packers side of the injury report, uh, that may not be, you know, that may not be the best outcome for the Falcons because, you know, even though Troy Anderson did have some, you know, a few issues, I, I saw some of the film 
uh, looking back uh, at, at that game against the Panthers, he did have some issues with with some over pursuit. With uh, you know, he was a, a little bit overly ambitious, a little bit, you know, a little bit too excited even. Uh, but but he did sort of settle in uh, mm-hmm. as the game went along. Uh, Troy Anderson is definitely, you know, one of your one of your best linebackers, and you can't really, you know, it'll be really bad if he's out against a player the caliber of Aaron Jones. Now, if Aaron Jones is out and the Falcons only have to deal with A.J. Dillon, that's another story because A.J. Dillon, you know, no offense, but he seems... He was very he bad in week like, one. He yeah. seems like a, a bit of a plotter. He had, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, A.J. Dillon like in week less one... Less than two yards what, per carry? Yeah. yeah, he had 19 yards on 13 carries oh my in week God. one. That <laughs> <laughs> was very Jeez. bad, but A.J. AJ Dillon and I, I don't know what what the Packers are seeing in AJ Dillon just in general over the years like he doesn't Quadzilla. he doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like a great player but you know now that I say that AJ Dillon's probably yeah, going to run yeah. for like 140 Thanks. yards. Thanks for that. <laughs> you definitely set that up. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Bryce, what how do you feel about I mean we've only seen one day of injury reports so we're basically speculating. But uh what's your level of concern for those guys on the injury report for the Falcons? Um which really obviously it's a concern because I mean, like I said, there's there's steps to the protocol, and he has to clear all the steps before he can play. So, and then he's getting into it, um, I guess today. So it's not like oh Monday he was in the protocol, so that's an extra couple of days he's getting into it today. So hopefully just times on his side, and like I said, it's not too serious, and he'll be able to get uh, be ready to go. But if not, like you said, linebacker depth is tested. Um, you know, one thing about this regime is they believe in their development. They believe in their coaching. They believe in the guys they've been preparing for this moment. They've kind of showed that through keeping Jalen Mayfield for three years. So um, even though it didn't work out, but, you know, they, they're not going to be like, you know, since tonight these guys aren't going to be able to work. So I, I think that in and of itself would be the biggest one. For Jeff's sake, I mean, like you said, he has to get his legs back under him pretty much. Um, I mean, if he's ready to go, he'll probably start. But I wouldn't be surprised if – he splits uh, snaps with Trey Flowers um, at that outside cornerback position just to, you know, not put too much on him. Uh, obviously, if Christian Watson doesn't play, that would be big for them because then Romeo Dobbs would probably switch to wide receiver one, which AJ would take, and then Jeff would take, you know, whoever is after that. Um, so I think overall, luckily, the Falcons are not in a very serious injury position. They've been pretty much, for the most part, a relatively decently healthy team throughout preseason outside of some soft tissue injuries and some things like that. So obviously you just want to keep that up. And obviously Green Bay has more players that are more, more concerned. You know, Aaron Jones has a hamstring. Hamstrings can linger. Are you going to be cautious? Do we, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you put him out there and he, now he's out for two, four weeks against us, you know. Uh, same thing with Christian Watson. You want to be careful about those types of injuries. So that could play into the Falcons' hands when Sunday does roll around. But for us, I think, Outside of Troy, I think, you know, at least they're not having a bunch of injuries across the board. Yeah, yeah. And you bring up a good point about the Packers injuries, which I'll touch on here, um, that they definitely have a lot more people on this injury report, a lot more starters. Um, On the DNP list, Aaron Jones, like Bryce mentioned, the star running back is on there with the hamstring. Christian Watson remains on there with the hamstring. He did apparently start to do some rehab work off to the side today which he didn't do at all last week. So that could be a sign that he's maybe getting a little bit closer. Uh, linebacker Quay Walker in an eerily similar situation to 
Troy Anderson is also in the concussion protocol. They're sort of young athletic linebacker also in the concussion protocol. Um, and then offensive tackle, David Bakhtiari, who one of the, obviously one of the best offensive linemen in the league. He had a that rest, feels day. Like a veteran yeah. rest day. Yeah. Like it, it was listed as mm-hmm. rest slash knee. So he does have a knee injury that he didn't practice with basically for weeks, but he did play last weekend and, and was still good. So he's, I think it was a rest day for him. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, Limited with his hamstring. He did play all last week, but he was apparently on a snap count is what they said. Uh, Rashawn Gary, limited with a knee as well. Uh, Guard Elkton Jenkins, their maybe second best offensive lineman, was limited with a knee. And then safety Anthony Johnson was full with a knee. So um, definitely a lot of big name guys on there. Um, I did, there will be an article coming out, uh, my five questions with the Packers, our Packers site, Acme Packing Company, uh, but Justice Mosqueda, uh, was saying that he believes that Aaron Jones will play along with Romeo Dobbs and the guys on the limited list, but that he's concerned mostly about Christian Watson and Quay Walker not playing of the guys uh, that are injured. So it's obviously just Wednesday, so we're sort of speculating, but injuries once again could be a major factor in this one, um, particularly Aaron Jones is the big one, I think, because this is not the Aaron Rodgers Packers. This is not an aired out offense. Um they do want to run the ball and they actually didn't do a great job of it against the bears uh, outside of a couple of big runs from Aaron Jones. You know, you, you mentioned it, AJ Dillon, like two less than two yards per carry. They really didn't run block. Well, according to, to justice. Um, so that is a point of concern for them because this is a team that would probably like to run the ball more. Um, yeah. This is a good, obviously opportunity for us to, to transition in to our Packers set uh, part of the show here. Um, so first I'll get to Mad Tom K's question uh, with the $5. Thank you so much, uh, Tom. He says, considering how Jordan Love didn't perform well when he was pressured last week, do you guys expect Ryan Nielsen to dial up the pressure against him? That is a good question. I think Ryan Nielsen's going to dial up the pressure pretty much whenever he can. <laughs> I think that's kind of his, his MO typically. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bryce, I'll, I'll let you get the first crack at this one. Do you think that this is going to be an aggress- another aggressive sort of blitz-heavy game plan from Ryan Nielsen, or do you expect it to be more of a sit-back and, and cover? Um, I could see it being a, a bit of a sit-back and cover, just because I feel like last week what I saw with their defense, they did a lot of different looks, because obviously they're running a much more multiple complex defense, and so... They may look at this as a chance of confusing Jordan Love. Um, I think there obviously will be more blitzing than last week, but it's not going to be like three times more than we've seen. I, I think he, he wants to really be, you never know, are we blitzing? Are we going to drop back in coverage? You still have a young quarterback. Can we confuse him? They picked off Bryce twice last week. They may feel like we can get him this week on a couple of coverages. Um, so I, I think, you know, realistically from that perspective, um, He'll he'll probably he'll just probably be on the flow of the game. Obviously, towards the end of the game last week, he picked it up a little bit more with with more pressure. So maybe this game, depending on how it goes, if Aaron Jones doesn't play, maybe you might see him blitz more because now he's like, okay, we don't have that running back there who could beat us. Uh, so maybe we can afford to you know go after him more. But you know, if guys like Christian Watson, Aaron Jones play, you may play more coverage because you don't you know obviously trust you trust you're going to trust AJ again whoever. But, you know, you just in general, you're going to want to make sure you have the best defense out there to guard whatever they're going to do. And, you know, at the floor, you know what type of offensive mind he is. You know, he's one of the you know bright offensive minds we have in this game. So 
it'll be a good chess match, I think, if he's going to decide when to blitz. He may just have really good time blitzes. Sometimes that can be effective as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And you're, you're absolutely right. Like, no matter what, they're going to blitz because it's a staple of Ryan Nielsen's defense. But how much and when is sort of the question. Um, and, you know, Jordan Love is a young quarterback still. You know, he hasn't started a lot of games it's possible that he could be phased by the blitz. He did struggle with pressure last week, and the Packers' offensive line wasn't as good as you'd sort of expect them to be, given all of the investment there and all the names there. They actually struggled, uh, particularly in the run-blocking side, but also in pass-blocking, in that, honestly, like, if you... I didn't actually watch the game, but talking to, to Justice about it, like, this, this was actually a very similar game to Atlanta and Carolina, where... The Packers were almost outgained by the Bears in this game, but the Bears turned the ball over three times, and the Panthers capitalized on all those turnovers with points. Um, but the Packers themselves didn't actually have a great day on offense either, and it was sort of the defense getting this done. Um, the difference being, obviously, the Packers scored a bit more and allowed more points, but the Falcons scored less, allowed less points. So it really feels kind of eerily similar that neither of these offenses really hit the ground running despite the point totals. Uh, but the defenses really brought it home and they sort of capitalized on their opponent's mistakes. Um, but again, it, it's tough to predict turnovers like that and you can't depend on forcing three turnovers every week to win these games. It's just not going to happen. But um, Adnan, curious your thoughts sort of on how the Falcons can go about uh, attacking Jordan Love this week. I think we will see some blitzes. Like, I think we'll see more than we even expect. Uh, now, I'm not saying it's going to be the Jerry Grant Glanville 1978 turn every single lover like you know bring the house every single time um but it will be I think it, it'll be it'll be more than we saw against Carolina and I think one of the reasons is as mentioned Jordan Love did have some some struggles uh you know facing pressure last week and Jordan Love is of course a very young quarterback uh now of course Bryce Young was a, as well but I think the Falcons, this is their best bet of bringing pressure. Like that Packers offensive line looking at the numbers last year and at the very least looking, going through PFF, like they're starting five uh, of uh, of offensive linemen, uh, those being David Bakhtiari, uh, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, Josh Runyon, and Zach Tom were all really good pass blockers. Like every one of them individually was you know, above average, like firmly above average as a pass blocker, which is absolutely incredibly impressive in today's NFL. Like the fact that there really isn't a weak link in in the pass blocking game, like uh, which is like, you know, it's kind of crazy given the fact that we are in an era now in football where there's so much emphasis on getting to the quarterback and, you know, all of these, defensive ends defensive linemen are paid so much to get to the quarterback but the Packers are sort of an inverse of the Atlanta Falcons offensive line which is the Falcons you know and I mean I'm not you know week one is week one like I'm not going to say oh Chris Lindstrom is a bad player for for a poor week one performance it was it was a poor performance (laughs) but week one is very wonky uh, that's why I'm looking at, at the numbers last year throughout the entire season. Like the Falcons were a monster run blocking team, but they only had two players who are really reliable uh, on the offensive line when it came to pass blocking, those being 
Lindstrom and Jake Matthews, whereas the Packers are a much better pass-blocking offensive line, and they only really have two reliable players in run-blocking, those guys being Jenkins and Bakhtiari. So it's kind of a it's kind of a very unique clash of styles in this game. But basically, I, I don't think that the Falcons will really be able to get much pressure if you only rush four straight on against them. Uh, I think that offensive line for the Packers is better than Atlanta's defensive line, even though we do love Jared and Anyamata, even though those guys did have, you know, a, a very good day against the Panthers on Sunday. I think Atlanta's best bet of, you know, forcing the issue with Jordan Love and of putting that pressure on him that, that we really want to see is, you know, sort of sort of bringing the blitz, you know, a, a bit more than what we would normally probably be comfortable with. Yeah, no, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, if we if we do see, you know, the the pressure ramped up there and we just don't know what version of this Packers offense we're gonna see because there are so many outstanding questions with the injuries. Um, you know, Jaden Reed even ended up leaving the game, the the rookie receiver there that the Falcons were rumored to have some interest in. So most of this game went to Dontavian Wicks. Uh, Malik Heath, who I think is one of the last guys on their depth chart, ended up playing 29 snaps. You know, Samore Toure also. Um, and, and you know, Dobbs is obviously going to be the number one guy if Christian Watson can't go. Famously inconsistent player, but played really well last week. So I just don't know what version of this offense we're going to see. And um, obviously Aaron Jones may be the most important one to monitor because they sort of build their whole offense around him and what he's able to do for them. And if he's missing this game, then the running game just takes a huge hit because there's nobody else. That Man, it'll be huge. It'll be huge yeah. if Aaron Jones can't go. Like, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, rooting for injury or anything, no, of course but not. Yeah. You know, I'm just making the observation that that's a big piece. Like that's a massive, that's the most important player on that Packers offense. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating in saying that because Aaron Jones is a monster. Like, I think Aaron Jones is one of the most underrated running backs yeah. in the NFL. Like people don't really give him his due when talking about, you know, some of those elite tier guys. And maybe he's not in that Saquon Nick Chubb tier, but I think at the very least he's in the tier right below them. Um, but yeah, if he's out, I'm not, I'm not nearly as scared of an offense built around running through AJ Dillon. Uh, as I am uh, yeah. of an offense against that multifaceted threat in, in Aaron Jones. Yeah. And the Falcons defense mm -hmm. has to be better against the run. They were, I think this will be a blip on the radar for them that they were just not good against the run this week uh, against the Panthers. They allowed over 150 rushing yards. It, you don't really notice it because it didn't really like hurt them. The Falcons didn't really end up giving up a lot of points off the run game. They obviously didn't allow a rushing touchdown. Um, but that was a lot of, lot of yards to give up. So that's definitely something they're going to have to get cleaned up because they're going to go up against some good run games. And, and this could be the first real test here. Um, and I think it, it's kind of core to what they do that they want to be able to shut the, shut down the run so they can get the opponent in third and long, because that's where Ryan Nielsen's defense is really going to be able to shine because this isn't, this isn't an elite pass rush. That's going to be able to get to the quarterback on third and three, right? Like this is, a, they need, they need the extra time of, of a third and long to get it done. But as we saw against the Panthers, when they have that and when, you know, they, they're capable of getting pressure, it's just not going to be flashy. They're not going to be, you know, annihilating people up front. 
But over the course of a game, especially late, if they can get teams into third and long, they'll be able to get it done. So that's that's definitely an improvement over years past. But on the other side of the coin, the Falcons' offense going up against this Packers' defense, which is very good, at least on paper, um, definitely. I mean, I mean, the Panthers' defense, I think, is sort of underrated, obviously. I think the Panthers' defense showed this week that they can be quite good. Um, but the Packers, I think just clearly could be better. The one area where the Packers struggled this last week was sort of in the run game um, where they did let the bears, I think run for like four and a half yards per carry. Um, Most of that being Justin Fields, obviously who's kind of a one of one player, but they also have a good interior. They also have a good edge rush group. It's not, it's not really getting any easier for this Falcons offense going up against the Packers. So Odd on all that, you get the first crack at the offensive side of things. How do you think the Falcons go about attacking this Green Bay defense? They're going to run, and uh, <laughs> I know that. The- <laughs> just repeat, just just copy paste that every week. Yeah, they're going to run. Yeah, yeah, the, the, that's a very simplistic like answer, but I think against the Packers especially, it, it makes a lot of sense. If there's one Achilles heel on that Packers defense, which was very good last year, it was it was their run defense uh, overall. They had. In 2022, the seventh worst run defense in the NFL, whereas they had the sixth best passing defense in the NFL when it came to yardage, uh, especially if they are missing Quay Walker, who is, you know, a starter up the middle for them. Uh, I, I think this is going to be one of those games where Arthur Smith comes out and, you know, he tests them and he tests them early. He tests them often. And, you know, it's going to be one of those games where I think the Packers will start stacking the box and Arthur Smith will start dialing up a little bit of play action as a result. And then it will be up to Desmond Ritter to take advantage of those one-on-one matchups because, you know, I I do have confidence that Kyle Pitts will be able to, you know, sort of have his way one-on-one in that middle of the field. Drake London may be a, a little bit more tough sledding against Jair Alexander, who is one of my favorite cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, and, you know, we could, you know, there could be some more panic incited, even though I do think that London will, you know, definitely he's gonna get a catch in this game. For sure. You take that he, to he's the definitely bank. Gonna yeah. catch he's going to get passes, a catch. But, yeah. you know, I think this could be one of those games where, you know, Kyle Pitts is the main beneficiary. Uh, and, you know, and maybe we get a little bit more Mac Collins than what we were expecting because, you know, I do. I do respect the hell out of Jair Alexander's game. I still remember that Monday night mm-hmm. game a few years ago when, when Calvin Ridley was running rampant around, you know, on the rest of the league and Alexander held him to zero yards, which was absolutely unfathomable at the time. But, you know, I, I think that this will be one of those games where, especially against the Packers, we will see a lot of the run game early and often. And, you know, it's just going to be, it's just going to be up to Ritter to hit some of those over the middle one-on-one shots to to Kyle Pitts, and if the Falcons can do that, then I'm I'm very confident in, in our chances of of going two and zero. Yeah, I think this one in particular is is absolutely it's going to depend on the success of the run game because this is going to be the one of the best pass defenses they play all year. You're absolutely right about Jair Alexander, without a doubt, one of the best young cornerbacks in the NFL. And this pass rush is good. It, I would I would say it could be better than, from top to bottom, I think it's better than the Panthers. The Panthers have the advantage of familiarity. And I think, like, Brian Burns has historically been Caleb McGarry's kryptonite. 
And Derek Brown, really one of the only interior players that gives Chris Lindstrom problems on man he cooked like a, Lindstrom like he, did. he absolutely owned Lindstrom which is so impressive because Lindstrom is so good but man yeah. Derek Brown is a dog like there there's yeah. a reason Derek why Brown's awesome yeah um but really Derek Brown's kind of the only guy that I can think of that's consistently given Lindstrom problems so I I would not be concerned about Lindstrom going forward but McGarry's definitely going to have his work cut out for him and I think they're probably going to recognize that McGarry needs help in this one hopefully um, and hopefully also build their passing game probably a little bit quicker, knowing that they're going up against a, a better pass rush in this one. But a lot of it depends on, on what Quay Walker status and other things like that as well. But yeah, uh, before I steal every single talking point, uh, Bryce, what are your thoughts on how the Falcons uh, might attack the Green Bay Packers in this one? Uh, yeah, um, I feel like, you know, obviously, you know, you need to run the football. I think this has the potential to be a big Bijan game. And not even running the football, I think receiving because of the fact that, you know, I'm I'm curious with Cordell seeming like he'll come back this week. We saw last week they had Algier, and then they'll sometimes Bijan line up as a receiver. This week they may do Cordell and Bijan. They both, I mean, Cordell was a receiver, so you know if they send him out in the route, he can he can do it, and Bijan can too. I, I feel like if they stack the box, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get some quick throws out to Bijan in space and trying to see if he can make a guy miss, maybe create a couple big plays from that. Um, just, you know, or if you do decide to go with the run-first approach, that could be a way to slow down the pass rush because, you know, obviously the if we're gashing them. The D-line's going to kind of start to, you know, make sure they're filling lanes instead of trying to go forwards with the quarterback, which could open things up for Desmond. Um, Desmond, I think, this week, I said last week I, I wasn't a fan of the play calling in terms of getting Desmond – acclimated to the game i hope this week maybe they can do that i i could see arthur smith saying okay we struggled with the past game last week and we need to get it fixed so we're going to start by bombing it at the beginning of this game and seeing if we can have confidence in that because people were talking about how Ritter was trigger shy a little bit last week especially with the pressure and everything that happened but people forget when he first started playing last year he was kind of throwing it everywhere he just wasn't like hitting people (laughs) you know he was putting the ball out there yeah didn't throw exactly. picks necessarily, but should have. So, Exactly. So, um, you know, I think this is a game where they could take advantage of the aggressiveness of the Packers if they try to be aggressive towards them. And then I, this may be a game like it may not be Drake. It may be a Mac Collins. You know, maybe he'll be able to, you know, get some first downs, help move the ball that way. Or like I said, Bijan in space or Cordero in space since he, if he's back this week. And that's kind of where you kind of can get some big plays in the offense. And then after that, you can kind of just go with the flow of the game and see how Green Bay adjusts you and then you adjust back. Because I think as the, Ritter has showed us in all five of his starts, first halves are kind of shaky for him. Second halves, he gets more comfortable. So if you're able to get some success early, then you would assume if this continues second half, that maybe when you see them take more shots and be more aggressive, especially if it's a close game with the Packers. Yeah, it- that's that's always been the thing for Ritter throughout his career. He's he starts a little slow, but he finishes really strong, and he won so many games that way. Um, and and that's what you want, like honestly, like yes, of co- of course it's nice to have a quarterback who plays great all the time, but there's those guys don't exist frequently. Like there's a handful of guys that are just always great. Um, and even Patrick Mahomes has his share of mistakes. So you always prefer the guy that's going to be the best in crunch time, um, end of half, end of game situations. And that's always been Ritter. And we even saw flashes of that last year, 
even last preseason where when the game's on the line, he's able to make the play. He has a good feel for it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think they need to emphasize the short game more. I think they need to get build Ritter's confidence, build up the build up the passing slowly. I mean, take your shots when you have them, but that you need to be able to to flesh out the rest of the passing game because it, you know you can't just depend on the run game all the time. Now you'll be able to depend on it sometimes, and in fact, you, there may be games where you barely have to throw the ball at all because of how good the run game is performing. But you're going to need the pass game eventually, and you need to build that confidence for Ritter and and Ritter too, like. The play calling I, I didn't think did him favors last week, um, but he needs to trigger faster on some of those plays. And they also need to give him more hot reads. Like, I mean, that was one of the things I really came away from that game watching, particularly in the first half, was he has pressure and he doesn't have anywhere to go with the ball. So he just has to scramble or just take the sack. And, you know, I, I think this is, given the inconsistency of this pass rush, you have to sort of change the offense to, to incorporate hot reads more frequently. You need to make sure there's somewhere for Ritter to go. And then on on the other side of the coin, Ritter needs to be able to trigger on that hot read quickly. He needs to be able to see the pressure to know that this is not going to hold up and to get rid of that ball. Because I remember keenly one play where Ritter does eventually dump it off to Tyler Algier, but it's a second late. And by that time, the defender's like basically five feet from him with a full head of steam and Algier's just clobbered. Um, if he gets that ball to him a second earlier, Algier has a chance to evade that tackle and pick up 10 yards. So like, and we've seen Algier do that a lot. So you just need to give your guy a chance, um, to, to make the play without getting annihilated in the backfield. But you think Cordero Patterson probably, he's a core part of their offense. I know folks are like, well, how are you going to involve Patterson when you already had Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson, all these receivers They they have packages, they have things that Patterson's going to do to, to confuse people and, and to really make this just a whole big ball of chaos and I, I I'm excited to see what it looks like but I think Patterson is someone that is really going to be an outlet for them um and that's what he did a lot the last couple of years as being sort of that dump off that can take it all the way or or he's coming on a wheel route where, where Ritter knows that's going to be open within a second or two um so they'll, they'll need it this week like we said uh this is a good pass rush they're gonna bring the heat um they're probably gonna blitz you know, whether whether or not they have Quay Walker, I think is pretty big in this one because Walker is their best coverage linebacker. And if he's out, I think Bijan becomes the focal point of your passing game, potentially, where you're really looking to take advantage of that, of of whoever's lined up against Bijan or, or you know, Cordell Patterson or whatever. Um, and then the other part of it is that Green Bay's tackling has consistently been the weakest part of their defense. Um, and you just get your guys in space and, and hope, that they missed tackles. Um, and, and that's what Bijan did on his touchdown, right? Forced like four missed tackles and went into score. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, how this develops, but it, I'm excited to see how the offense develops too. I mean, it, it's, I don't think week one's a great indication of what this is going to look like other than the fact that they're going to, I think the fact that Algier and Robinson were both heavily involved, uh, is definitely something that's going to continue. Um, so I, I, I'm not I'm not concerned about the running back involvement or the passing game overly at this point, but we do need to eventually see this come together and we need to see more than 18 passing attempts. But we could tell like there were more called passes than there were attempts because Ritter just was under attack so frequently they just had to scrap the passing game basically in the second half. Just remember that if you look at the four game sample size last year, some of which were higher volumes, some of which were lower volume. Ritter averaged basically 29 passing attempts a game. 
which is still below league average, but that's much closer to league average than they were with Mariota. So um, don't look at 2022 or this one game sample size as like, oh, well, this is what the Falcons offense is. This is one end of the spectrum. This is the more run heavy end of what it could look like. But they're, I think they're, they're going to try to open up the playbook to be, to have a high volume passing game is as part of their repertoire, but who knows if that's going to translate to good play or not? Uh, that that's the big question, and that's what Ritter has to prove that he's more capable of doing than Marcus Mariota. But at least in that first game, we saw him hit that deep shot to Pitts, which Mariota we know would have airmailed the shit out of. So at least we have that. Like that was that was a step forward, um, and we just need to we need to capitalize on those attempts. But uh, too early to tell. I think this is a much better test. Um, and Bryce, I'm curious sort of what your overall thoughts on this matchup are in terms of, do you think this is a, an opportunity for the Falcons to go 2-0, and or are you expecting this to to get us back to 500 this week? I think the Falcons have a good chance to go going 2-0. I, I've, I've said that I feel like this is going to be just a really interesting matchup, probably one of the best matchups of the week, and because I feel like the Packers overall is a better roster than Carolina. So you're get, taking a step up in competition. Uh, some of the things like you don't have, I mean, Jordan loves relatively inexperienced, but maybe some people would say love at the current moment in time is better than Bryce Young just because of experience and things like that. Um, and then obviously, even with them, maybe not having Christian, Christian Watson, you may even say the receiving core could potentially be better than Carolina's. So, you know, I, I feel like it, this is kind of a, a matchup where both teams kind of have their strengths that go against each other's strengths. And it's really a matter of, you know, you have two bright, young offensive coaches leading these teams, young quarterbacks, you know, both teams rely on the running game to set up their pass. Both want to play physical defense. Both have really good secondaries. It's kind of like a mirroring effect uh, uh, in a little bit. You know, Quay Walker is on injury report. Troy Anderson, like, you know, it's, it just mirrors yeah. each other. So, and obviously, like you said, they're legacy teams. So, you know, they've got fans there. And, and then obviously, you know, that's going to be interesting, but I think the Falcons have a good chance of going to a no. And if they, and if they're able to beat green Bay, it really makes me feel much better about this team in the trajectory of the season, because green Bay, the way they look and the way they could look, they, the last couple of years, people wonder, okay, it's Aaron Rodgers' team, you know, but they've always had a good roster. Like they've always had a good roster. They, I still would fully expect them to compete for an NFC North title with probably Detroit who you play the week after the next. Yeah. So, you know, this is a team that you could see again. This is a team that could be a playoff team. So if you're able to come out with a win, that sets you up to so, okay, 2-0, you just beat Green Bay. I think this team is – I think this is the year where we, we can maybe start to hire architectures like, okay, we, we, we should be a good team this year. Um, and if they don't, I mean, you know, you get, like I said, another crack at Detroit who looks like they're a good team. So – you're able to win that one, you know, that can, you know, reverse, you know, wisdom or whatever you think about the team. But uh, I think there's this, this matchup, I think in general, is just going to be important to see where this team is and truly know, okay, the team they want to become the team they've been preaching that they want to be, they've been talking about in camp, all the players have been saying, these are the kind of games you win against potential teams that you may have to face down the line, or you could be competing for with, for a playoff spot in the future. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you there. I think, honestly, the the Falcons and the Packers are much more similar than anyone really wants to admit. Um, 
that these these are teams that are kind of built the same way. I think the Packers have a better defense. Like the Packers passing game is probably further along, but I think the Falcons have a better run game um, and maybe a better run defense as well. You know, we'll, we'll see obviously over the course of the season, but I think the Packers are a little bit ahead of where the Falcons are. So if Atlanta can beat Green Bay and, and go 2-0, that would be a great sign. I, I also wouldn't be overly upset if they lose to Green Bay unless it's just like a horrible game. Um, I think this one could go either way. It's it's a real toss up for me. Um, but I, I I look, I'm not betting against Ritter at home at this point. He's shown that he's he wins these games at home throughout his entire career. Um he's obviously not gonna be undefeated at home. I don't think that's gonna happen. Like he's gonna win all of his home games this year. That would be hilarious if it did happen. But um I do think this is a close one for sure. So Adnan, you feel in the same way? You feel like this is kind of a toss up, or do you, you go in, you know, Falcons or Green Bay all the way? Oh, I think this is a pure toss up. Like I don't I have no idea, like what what's gonna happen in this game. Even the odds, like you know, <laughs> I saw the the odds are the Packers are favored by one, which is pretty much like a push. It's pretty much like a straight toss up right now. Even though like they they do give it to, they they do give like three points to the home team, so that Typically, you know they're yeah. saying the Packers you know are a little better. But you know, I, I think this is one of those games that it's gonna come down completely to the wire. Uh, like what this could legitimately be one of those games where a last second field goal decides it one way or another. I, I hope that the Falcons, you know, are on, on the winning end of that because that would be, you know, pure euphoria if they are, but uh, I'm really getting ahead of myself right now uh, a lot, but, you know, Bryce brings up a good point about the playoffs. The the Packers are going to be one of those teams that competes for the NFC North. Um, the Lions will be another team. The Lions are probably the favorites uh, in that division uh, who are also competing for the NFC North, who you will meet next week. These two weeks are a big litmus test for for the Atlanta Falcons right now because I, I definitely agree that if you are the team that you want to be, these are the games that you really want to win. And also, if you come away with both of these wins, and I'm not saying that they will, but if you come out of this at 3-0, and beating both the Packers and the Lions. That's one that's massive for tie breaking implications. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and two, obviously it's big for, for the division itself because, you know, uh, New Orleans just had a big win uh, this past week. And I think they're going to beat the Panthers this upcoming weekend. So I think they'll be sitting at two and zero as well. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, if you want to make any noise in the playoffs uh, well, and, First, first of all, you know, I, I get it. You want to focus on getting to the playoffs. We haven't done that in years. But just looking looking even, even further than that, if you want to make any noise in the playoffs, you really want to not be in that four seed and you want to, you know, make your way up to that three seed in the NFC because I think the five seed will be the runner-up between the Cowboys and the Eagles in the NFC East. And, you know, respectfully, I think either of those teams at the moment will probably beat the snot out of the Falcons. Whereas if you're that three seed, then you have a much better chance against whoever is in that six seed again in that six spot. I don't think, you know, anyone, I think the Cowboys, 49ers and Eagles are a tier above everyone else in the conference. Um, and, you know, winning these two games will go a long way toward that because you'll own that tiebreaker over the potential NFC North champion. But again, this is something that's months and months down the line. It's it's just fun to speculate and it's fun to 
to converse over right now. And if the Falcons are coming out of this at one and two, we, we won't even be thinking about the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> not, not at the moment at the very least. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think like what you said is absolutely correct. And, and shout out to the Braves who apparently just won the NL six, East. Six in so, a row. Yep. Six in a row. Congrats, Braves fans. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think basically like these, this three game stretch that they're about to go into is the most difficult stretch of their schedule. Um, they, I mean, and they've got three potential playoff teams right in a row here with, I think the Packers end up being a wild card team um, because the NFC is just kind of weak uh, outside, like the Cowboys, obviously, or the Eagles. One of those two teams is going to be the top wild card. But other than that, it's completely wide open for the other two spots. I think Packers have a good shot at one of those spots or the Lions, depending, you know, who comes out of there. And again, Lions, Packers, two probable playoff teams. And then the Jaguars, who are probably going to win the AFC South. So you've got three playoff teams coming up. And this is a great litmus test. I think if you go through this two and two, then you're happy. Like, you're pretty happy. You're like, okay, we split. Um, We got the win that we needed to get against the Panthers, against a division opponent that's crucial for standings and other things like that. And then we also stole a win against a team that people probably think is better than us, um, which is crucial. And if you can do better than that, awesome. Fantastic. But I think they just need to go two and two in this in this four game stretch to open the season. And then you, of course, get the get the Houston Texans afterwards uh, and things lighten up a little bit. You obviously can't take any games for granted in the NFL. But if this team is is rolling, you know, and, and they do manage to split. And really it's like two and two where they look close, where they look competitive every week. No one's really going to be upset with that two and two where they get like blown out in the two losses that we're talking about a very different, you know, feeling. So mm-hmm. how they win and lose these games matters too. But I think, I think if you but, go two and two, you're happy, but yeah, we'll see. But that's also why that Panthers game was even more important than, than we actually realized. Because if you're at zero and one, you're kind of staring down the barrel of these three games and yeah, the, yeah, the Lions and the Jaguars will rightfully be heavy favorites against the Falcons because the Falcons will be playing on the road. Sure, one of them's in London, but London's a de facto home game for the Jaguars. They're over there all the time. And also, I think the Jaguars are just a better team than Atlanta. But yeah, I mean, two and two, two and two would be fantastic. Even genuinely, even if the team comes out of this at one and three, like the sky isn't falling. It, it, no, it'll no. suck. It like it'll suck in the moment, but just seeing that the schedule after after that Jags game, seeing how much it lightens up and how much of an opportunity you're going to have. Like it, it's it's not gonna be the end of the world for sure. But you know, this is definitely one of those game one of those stretches where you want to steal at least one. Because remember last year we, we had that same feeling going into that tough stretch where it was what the Brown after the Browns game it was the the, the Niners, the Bengals and you know they, they stole a win against the Niners, and that that sort of kept us on a high for weeks, e- e- even through a few losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like it it makes a big difference statistically speaking that you got this one win because the stats for teams that are like one and three are not bad at all. It's it's oh yeah you're you're not really you're not cooked you're fine you know it, it's ultimately not that big a deal. The stats for teams that are zero and three or or zero and four are you know, drastically bad. Like you've got a 5% chance of making the playoffs bad. So getting that one dub early in the season definitely helps them for a lot of reasons. It helps a lot that it's a a divisional win as well, because not only do you get the win and the divisional win, you also hand the Panthers a loss. And 
Unfortunately for the Panthers, some major injuries coming out of that game. Uh, their left guard, Brady Christensen, is going to miss the entire season with a bicep injury. J.C. Horn's going on IR with what sounds like a significant injury as well. So unfortunately for the Panthers, it might be that they just kind of spiral downward at this point. But um, you got you got to win the games that are in front of you, and you you got to find ways to steal wins that and steal games that you are not predicted to to win. But I think with this one win already, now you really only need to win one of the next three to to, to keep yourself at 500 and really stay perfectly afloat and sort of where people expected you to be. So as opposed to being like, oh, well, we need to now steal two games to, to get back to 500. So I think, I think the Falcons are in a good position. I think that they're capable of stealing one of these next three games. I know in our season predictions, I predicted the Packers game is the one that they would win. Um, but we'll see. Because uh, they got to go on the road twice after this. So I hope they win this one because it's not, again, it's not getting any easier until after this the Jaguars game. This is the easiest game, one so. of the three. This yeah, is the easiest so. one of the three for sure. Mm-hmm. But I guess the yep. question is, guys, when it gets to the Jacksonville game, are y'all watching the Toy Story version? <laughs> are you watching the live game? I mean, you have to try the Toy Story version first. I mean, I need to see what this looks like without, without I, I think I'd enjoy the Toy Story version a lot more if I was a neutral, like watching like two teams I don't really care about. Whereas like now I, I'm going to be like, you know, on edge with every play. And it's like they're going to like throw some like gimmicky animation in there. And I'm going to be like, what the fuck is this? This is not this is not what I came to see. Yeah, no, it, it's. No, that that I'm interested to see what it looks like though. You know, technology is incredible this this time. So we're gonna it, be able to see either that or we can get uh we can get Patrick back on commentary for the game if we need it. There you go. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't I don't know if like watching Toy Story versions of the Falcons would make it any less painful if they like blow that game, but I don't know. It might like it might actually make the suffering worse. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, <laughs> but I'm sure someone's gonna watch it and they can let us know in the comments how, how that one goes. But um, yeah, we do have one final question from Corey with the five dollars. Thank you so much, Corey. Uh, it's a I think it's a fantasy question. Corey asking for some fantasy advice. All right, I got you. I got you. He heard. He saw my tweet about me going five and one in my fantasy leagues this week. So yeah, that must that must be why. Um, so Desmond Ritter or Deshaun Watson at quarterback? Wow, you're in dire straits um yeah i'm going watson <laughs> yeah i would also I'm go watson. watson yeah i i don't think i everything i said about week one is 100 true i don't think this is like the high volume passing week for the falcons i, I don't so i i would not start rid of this week if you had yeah, a choice um and it then, better be a super flex league too if it's a one quarterback league like yeah that, you're you in know. big trouble man <laughs> if it's a one quarterback <laughs> league um uh, yeah and then two of these three debo samuel drake london mike evans i I'd go Samuel and Evans um, again Same. because, like, I I'm confidently going to start Drake London most weeks. This week against Jair Alexander, I would be one that I would have considered, regardless of what happened in Week One. I would have considered like bumping him if I had a really good option. Um, I think Drake London's still a fine flex this week, but I probably wouldn't play him as like one of your primary receivers just because he's going to draw that coverage. And then at running back, he also wants to know. Bijan, Algier, Kyron Williams, two out of three. Obviously, Algier and Bijan. I mean, Kyron Williams had a good week, but mm. I, I think Algier has standalone value. Like, obviously, you're playing Bijan as one, but I don't know. Like, I, I think because Cordero Patterson will come in, I, I genuinely Maybe. think Patterson's going to steal goal line work. He could. And he I, could. I think without that goal line work, like it's going to really hurt Algier. I would consider Williams just I would because consider he, it. he dominated snaps in LA this this weekend like he genuinely like the rams do not trust cam Akers at all nor yeah. should they he had 29 carries on 
or 29 yards. God, yes. Somehow worse than AJ Dillon in that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Corey says, I, I think we lose three of the next four, but win 10 of our last 11 so that we would finish. Oh, I guess that would make man, us finish be, 11 and 11 and five. That'll be a hell of a run. Yeah. yeah. 11 and six. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I would accept that for the record uh, for sure. So, um, also losing three of our next four, like that would that sort of implies I, that we'll lose to the Texans and win one of these because <laughs> then wouldn't you just say we lose three in a row? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it they could like maybe they'll just beat the the Lions, you know, just crazily and then lose to the Texans just because. So, yeah, be it, it was, yeah, yeah. All right, well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We appreciate everyone for hanging out with us. Uh, before we sign off, do want to thank our guest, Bryce Lewis. He is at Brycey2K on the Twitter's host of... <laughs> tell the people what your show is called, Bryce, because I should have done my homework and figured that out myself. But please, please tell the people where they can find your stuff and anything else you want to plug. Nah, nah, it's fine, it's fine. Oh, uh, yeah, you can just look up my YouTube, Bryce Lewis, or if you want to look up uh, my Believe show, it's just Believe in Hawks. Uh, we're getting started up here, so uh, probably should start seeing some episodes soon. Be all on my social media, like you said, Twitter at Bryce underscore two K, Instagram, all of those things. Um, and then you know, also I do some Falcons content as well, also on my YouTube and also on my social media as well. And I'd like to say, appreciate you, Kevin, for letting me come on, be a part of the show, and talk some Falcons football with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We enjoyed it. It was a good, good back and forth. Definitely have to have you, you back on. As you can see, you know. We do a lot of shows, so we need we need a deep a deep rotation of guys, and I you know I, you definitely earned your spot in the rotation, Bryce. Thank you for for stepping in for us. Um, so. And then uh, also, of course, co-host Adnan Ikechat. Say which way, Adnan? Any uh, anything you're working on? You like to let the people know about? Uh, yeah, I'll, I have my uh, weekly article series. What if we win or lose in series history? Uh, both of those will be going on Saturday. I haven't started either one, so uh, I'll probably start one of those uh, after the show here. Cool, cool. Yeah, definitely check that stuff out as well, guys. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. You can check out all my stuff on the Falcoholic. Of course, it seems like most of the time I'm doing shows these days. It's just kind of how it develops. But um, I guess I end up writing more in like draft season, weirdly. But, you know, still have stuff coming out. We'll probably still do some random long forms whenever I whenever I feel like it. Uh, check that out. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the show, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. Please do like and subscribe if you're watching on youtube leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and of course check out the community discord server the link to which is in the show description we will be back for our next game preview show on friday i will have a uh to be named packers guest on to, to break down that game in more detail with a packers perspective uh and then we'll be back of course on sunday for the next post game show which hopefully will be uh as positive or more positive, hopefully than, than the last post game show. So uh, guys, thank you again so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic live. This show was brought to you by bet online. We'll see you next time, folks. Have a great night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.